preach tonight. And as you all were singing, I was reminded of the days that uh, uh, my grandmother, I was saved at the church in Roxborough, North Carolina. Well, that was the address. And, uh, and my grandmother used to get happy and get to dancing in the church. <laughs> and, and, and now we've gotten too dignified for it. Oh, all right. But folks, I, the most dignified place in the world is a cemetery. Yeah, Some of you will get that tomorrow. Yeah. I'm like R.W. Shambuck, the great Pentecostal preacher. He said uh, when he, before he got saved, he loved to go to the bars and clubs and dance. And said after he got saved, he just changed partners. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I feel the Holy Spirit in this place tonight. And, and, and I just want to say before I even read a scripture or preach, just let him have his way. Uh, whatever the Spirit leads you to do, you'll be in order. I, I can assure you that. And if it offends someone, that person is not in the Spirit. Whatever the Spirit allows you to do, you just do it. I, I just believe tonight that God, God's going to do something special, not because I'm preaching. Uh, I mean, uh, anybody that couldn't get up here and preach after that saying, they, they did. I'm going to just be honest with you. Amen. And, and thank you again for opening up your church to this male course. Uh, I, I want to say this and get this out of the way, too. You know, uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been too long. And I just thank God that we can worship together. And, and, and people that have a problem with that, I, I, I question whether they're even saved or not. I really question whether they know the Lord Jesus Christ in their hearts. Amen. Amen. I thank God that I, I, I want to say I appreciate uh, my chairman of deacons being here tonight. Brother Laney Riley, he's one of them Carolina boys. He was raised up up here at Longhurst. Wasn't it Longhurst, Laney? Huh? Okay, amen. And all, Amen. I just know Roxborough. I don't East Roxborough, North Roxborough, West. I just know Roxborough. And also my sister and her husband uh, with us tonight and others. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Uh, I want to give you, because I don't know who sung it, so I'm going to just make it a trivial question. Uh, who used to sing that song, What Am I Living For If It's Not For You? Does anybody know? Has anybody got a, uh, got, got a uh, computer with them? They can go on and find it out real quick. What am I living for if it's not for you? It's an old, old song. Uh, when songs were songs and you could understand the lyrics and the words of the song. I want to preach tonight on this subject, Responsible Living. Responsible living. First Thessalonians, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, 
For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in the power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance as ye have known what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. And ye became followers of us, and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God would have spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and ye, how ye turned from God, how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for the Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. In First Thessalonians, Paul uh, considers them the model church. And you would have to go back to Acts chapter uh, 18, I believe it is, uh, when Paul established, went to the uh, city of Thessalonica, and he preached there. And in that city, he was accused of turning, I'm sorry, it was uh, Acts chapter 17. He was accused of turning the city upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know the testimony of Paul, his dynamic salvation experience, how that he was saved on the road to Damascus, and how that after Paul got saved, Paul didn't waste any time in knowing that God had called him. And he began to, to go and preach to different places, and looked like everywhere he preached, he was run out of town, left for dead, and, and accused of turning the city upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was the case in Thessalonica. Uh, wouldn't it be a compliment if it was said about this church in Person County that that church and that pastor there is just turning our city upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. It can happen again. It, it really can happen again. Sometimes I think we get this mindset about God that God, we so dispensationalize God and say God did it then, but he can't do it now. If he did it then, he can do it now. In Malachi 3.6, he said, I am the Lord God and I change not. My friends, I'm here to tell you, what does it mean to live responsible. Uh, it means to live a positional life. If Christians will ever realize their position and their potential in Jesus Christ. The Bible says God has raised us up together to sit with him in heavenly places. To know who we are in Christ. To know our posture and our position in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at with, uh, with me, if you will, at verse 1. What Paul says here. He says, Paul and Silvanus and Timothy unto the church of, Thess of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were so positioned in Christ that they knew who they were. So many times people don't know who they are. They, they uh, are like the man with the piece of rope in his hand. He didn't know whether he found a piece of rope or lost his mule. 
You know, sometimes people get that confused. You know, they don't really know and claim who they are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And But the church at Thessalonica here, when Paul was writing them, they had positioned themselves in Christ. What could we do as individual Christians? What could we do as a church when we realize our position in Jesus Christ? Think about that. Think about your own position as a Christian. Think about who you are as a Christian. And we need to be reminded of who we are and where we came from. Paul says, forgetting those things which are behind us and reaching forth for those things which are before us, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul knew who he was, and he knew his position. In the book of Colossians, he talked about uh, uh, knowing who we are, that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and knowing our position in Christ, we can know who we are in Christ. You know, I have a problem uh, with people that are professing Christians, and, and, and you meet them somewhere, uh, and, and you ask them the uh, question, are you say, well, I'm a member of a such-and-such church, or I've been baptized, and, and all of these things. Being a member of a church doesn't make you a Christian no more than having athlete's feet make you an athlete, or walking in a garage makes you a mechanic. We need to know what our position is in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he's raised us up together to sit with him in heavenly places. Knowing what our position is in Christ. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he proclaimed the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ because he knew who he was in Christ. And when we know who we are in Christ, nothing can move us. Come hell or high water, nothing can move us. We shall not be, we shall not be moved. That's what Paul said when he was talking to the uh, Ephesian elders. He said, I kept back nothing from you. None of these things move me. None of these things move me. We live in a society where people are so flippant. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in what? All of his ways. Do you know your position in Christ? Who you are in Christ. Pastor, I know that I'm a Christian, but do you know your position? Do you know your position? Responsible living is positional living. Number two, responsible living is a, uh, a life that is patterned by Christ. Look at verse 6 and verse 7. And we became followers... And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word which in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, that ye being examples to all that believe. Do you know people are watching your life? People watch your life. Especially those who say that they are Christian. And, and a lot of people pattern their lives after who they watch. You're the only Bible that some people read. Think about it. You're the only Bible that some people read. And people will pattern their lives after you. 
I remember growing up when women used to do a lot of, of sewing, and especially when they were making a dress for their, their, their daughter or whatever, they would buy a pattern at either Rose's belt or well, Leggett or wherever, and they would, they would sew that dress according to that pattern. They didn't deviate from that pattern one bit. Every stitch was in place. How should our lives pattern the life of Christ? Think about it. How should our lives pattern the life of Christ? When Paul would think about the church of Thessalonica, he said, you are examples to those that saw you. And people are patterning their lives after you. He said, ye became followers of us and of the Lord. The pattern of the apostles. They were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But a responsible living is positional living, but it's pattern living. Following the pattern that Jesus Christ has set before us. When Jesus Christ was getting ready to be crucified. And... Uh, one of the disciples said, uh, show us the Father and it will suffice us. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Yeah. And then he went on to say something very profound. He said, when I go away, I send a comforter who is the Holy Spirit. And he shall lead you, he shall guide you, and he shall direct you in all truths. Walking in the Spirit. Living in the Spirit. I think sometimes when the Baptist church are so afraid of the word Pentecostal that we, we forget that there was a Pentecost. And there was a Pentecost, my friends. There was a Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove. And I, I want to go on record as saying this. It's not how high you jump when the Holy Spirit hits you. It's how straight you walk when you hit the ground. Amen. Amen. Now, some people are holy on Sunday and a whole of terror the rest of the week. <laughs> My friends, our lives should pattern the, of the life of Christ. Amen. He gives us the road map. And then he said something to his disciples that was so profound. He said, uh, I've yet many things to tell you. But you cannot bear them now. How be it when the Spirit comes, he shall lead, guide, and direct you into all truths. There were so many more things that Jesus wanted to tell them, but they were not spiritual enough to take it. It reminds me of the passage of Scripture where when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, uh, you are, are still babes in Christ. You ought to be eating meat, but you're drinking milk. Now think about that. You haven't, you haven't developed, you haven't grown beyond the milk stage. A baby, an infant, desires milk. But as that, as that, that infant grows into childhood, they stop drinking a bottle. They get to pacify it the mouth. And they began to develop. And Paul says, you still drinking milk, but you ought to be eating meat. Where's your spiritual maturity? Our lives should be patterned after Christ. Our position is in Christ. And then thirdly, responsible living is 
living a life of principle. Look in verse 9 where he says, you, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, that may not mean much in our culture today. We may not look at it uh, very, uh, like the church of Thessalonica did. But it still has the same message behind it. He said, you turn from idols, but you turn to the true and living God. Uh, uh, back in Paul's day in his preaching, uh, uh, sometimes that would be idols set up in, in, in the temple. And, and they would come and worship idols. And, and, and there they had their own little gods. But Paul says, you've turned from idols to serving the true and living God. Now, let me bring this thing where we live. We may not like have little wooden statues that we come and worship, but what about those things that we have that we allow to take precedent over our relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ? Amen? They come in all types of fashion, boats, golf clubs. Mm. <laughs> Did I pull up in the wrong driveway there? <laughs> fancy cars, fancy homes, nothing wrong with... There is nothing in the world wrong with any of those things in the right place. But they can become an idol to us. Whatever comes between you and the Lord it becomes an idol. Sometimes you can make your child an idol. You can make your child... Well, my child, uh, they don't want to come to church anymore. We didn't have a choice when I grew up. You went to church. As long as you stayed in my, my family's household, you went to church. You didn't get a vote in it. Now children tell the parents when they're going to church. Amen? The things that we set up so many times, becomes our idol. And it's very subtle. And, and, and we look at it and, and we, we tend to worship it and we allow it to take time away from the Lord. But Paul encouraged them. He said, you are living a life of principle because you have turned from idols to serve the true and the living God. Paul had a, had, had a strong affinity for the church at Thessalonica. This church was established on his second missionary journey. And Paul wanted to write them and set some things in order. When he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, there were some of them in debate on when the rapture would take place. When would be the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And they had gotten confused about it. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, Paul sets it in order about the uh, uh, second coming of the Lord. And I hope, folks, that I don't offend anybody, but I've got to say this. The second coming of the Lord is in two stages. He comes first in the rapture. Then seven years later, he comes in the revelation. And the Bible says his foot will split the man of olives. Paul set those things in order. He wanted them to understand who they were in Christ Jesus. Living a life of principles. Then next, responsible living is purposeful living. 
living with a purpose. So many people just meander through life. and, And they use, I'm just barely getting by. You know, they have no purpose in life. When Paul, when, no, when uh, Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he was writing a book about purpose. Those were, uh, that book was his memoirs. And he talked about having a purpose in life. And, he, and his purpose was not in things. Because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And his wives turned his heart from God. It took 13 years to build Solomon's house. And he said, vanity, vanity, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. And then in the last chapter, he says, remember now thou creator in the days of thy youth. And he said, let's hear the whole conclusion of the matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, have a purpose in life. So many people live without any purpose. What is your purpose spiritually? Are you just living just to get by? I've, you know, I've got fire insurance. I'm on my way to heaven, and that's it. Have no purpose in your spiritual life. Too many people are just satisfied with fire insurance. They are glad that they're not going to hell, hell, but they're on their way to heaven. But that's the, that's the uh, existence of their spiritual life. Having a purpose. The Bible says to everything there is a a season and a time under heaven. A time to be born, but a time to die. That's, folks, two things certain in life, death and judgment. You know, you've heard the saying there are two things that are certain, death and taxes. You don't have to pay taxes. Just run for office. You don't, you don't have to pay taxes. Get you a good lawyer. Get in a particular pot. You don't have to pay taxes, but you'll die and you'll face God. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, then after that, the judgment. And that's appointment we won't be late for. We won't miss. And that's an appointment with death. Having a purpose in life. Serving the Lord to serve others. Oh, the emptiness, the aimlessness, the shamefulness of a purposeless life. I want to drop something heavy on you. If you died tonight, would anybody miss you? Hmm. Have you had such an influence in someone's life that they will miss you. You know, there are some people that can die and you never miss them because they live their lives only for themselves. No purpose. Jesus' purpose was to do the will of the Father. Amen? That was his purpose, was to do the will of the Father. And he did it. He did the will of the Father. When he hung on the cross and he was taking his last breath, he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass for me. Nevertheless, my will, but thy will be done. And he hung his head and he died. But see, the story didn't end there. It might be Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. 
Sunday is coming. Sunday is resurrection. Friday is crucifixion, but Sunday's coming. I don't know who's here tonight. It may be Friday in your life, but Sunday's coming. Sunday is coming. Sunday will definitely be here. Resurrection will come. How is your life? The clock of life is wound but once, and no one has the power to tell just when the hands will stop at late or early hour. To lose one's wealth is sad indeed. To lose one's health is more. But to lose one's soul is such a loss that no man can restore. Amen. Amen. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Responsible living is purposeful living. Responsible living is prepared living. Look at verse 10. And wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Did you know heaven is a prepared place for prepared people? Amen. Amen. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, says, For we know if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. In the book of Hebrews, he says, For here we have no continuing city. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. Responsible living is prepared living. Being prepared at all times. Knowing that if something could, should happen, where are you going when you die? You said, preacher, a person really can't know that. Yes, you can. You can know that you're going to heaven when you die. You can know that. These things you know in the natural. You know who your parents are. Who your children are. You know those things in the natural. You can know those things in the spiritual. Knowing Jesus Christ. That he's prepared a place. A place. Where the writer of Revelation said. Be no more death. No more pain. No more sorrow. For the former things have passed away. The only thing. In heaven that is made by man is the scars in the hand of Jesus. The only thing, the only thing is the scars in the hand of Jesus. In the gospel of Luke said they led him to a place which is called Calvary and there they crucified him. 
And I always shared this, Brother Herbert, when I talked, talk, especially the kids, but I shared with everyone, even if, if it's an adult, when I'm going over the plan of salvation with them, I said, if you'd have been the only person on earth, he still would have come and died for you. That's how much he loved us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. We are healed. Thank God. That he's prepared a place. This, uh, thank God that this world is not all there is. When Paul was writing to the church at Corinth in the latter part of the first, first uh, Corinthians in 15, he said, if only in this life we have hope in Christ Jesus, we of all men are most miserable. Thank God that we have a hope much greater than what we have than here. A matter of fact, Paul said we would be miserable people if our hope was relegated in what's down here. Amen. Our hope is much greater. Our hope is Christ. Are you living responsibly? Have you positioned yourself and patterned yourself and living a life of principle, a life of purpose, and being prepared to meet the Lord? The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the plan of salvation right there. You don't have to know a lot. You just have to want to a lot. Jesus is waiting to enter your heart. Why don't you let him come in? May the Lord bless you.